Welcome to Rich Conversations. This is an exciting episode. Alex Wassily joins the show. He's an amazing musician who tours the world playing in a New Orleans funk band, Dumpster Funk. He's also an amazing person and a friend to many. Always a good hang with Wassily. This episode is awesome. We talk about living in Chicago and Los Angeles, joining Dumpster Funk, and how meaningful it's been to see the world while performing. We discuss his favorite cities and airports, how his uh, notorious funk party started, and how it's evolved over the years. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty legendary. It's a lot of fun. We even try to piece together the night we bartended together during Game 7 of the Cubs World Series in 2016. We were both behind the bar and, uh, yeah, just trying to re- recollect the night, see, uh, see what we remember from that. So much in this episode, lots of fun, and uh, life lessons along the way. You can follow Alex at Alex Wasili. Just a heads up, we had some issues with my mic's recording, so in this episode, my audio is going to be a little quieter. Luckily, though, Alex's mic is fantastic, and uh, so you can hear him very clearly, and that's what's most important. So just want to let you know beforehand. Buckle up. We're going for a ride around the world. So we're here on Rich Conversations, and this is a very special episode. <laughs> All the way from California, <laughs> Los Angeles, Alex Vasili, yeah, man. Uh, who is the trombone player for legendary funk band Dumpster Funk. Indeed. Uh, star tender extraordinaire. <laughs> so much going on in his life, and he's back in Chicago here for a little bit, so yeah, uh, man. we got to get him on the podcast. Dude. I'm, I'm so many... Oh, so you, many good questions. You really do have some great questions. And before we kick it off, I just want to say thanks to you and everything you do, Rich Conversations. It's awesome. I'm excited to talk to you, man. I, I really look up to you and, and the way your analytical brain works. It's awesome. So I'm honored to be here. Let's have a conversation, man. So actually, the first question I have, I, I gave Alex the Sox mug. Yeah, dude. Uh, the last, <laughs> last time we went to a Sox game, Alex, he keeps score. Of the game, I do, I do, yeah. So I have a like a score book, like a you know, like a semi-pro, I guess you could call it. I don't know, it's like thirty bucks. But um, one of my favorite things to do on the road, if we get a day off for any major city, especially during the summer or fall, is go catch a game. So I've been to a bunch of different parks, um, and it's fun. I keep score as like a memory thing, you know, because then you know during the pandemic when I'm feeling blue or whatever, pick up the scorebook and look at oh hey. There's that game I went to with Rich and Sammy, where you're like, yeah. you know, shouting at the at the <laughs> third base uh, coach or whatever. But you know, you get like all these memories and all these times and places. Uh, it's sort of like a weird sports journal. But yeah, I do keep score so and go what, socks. Yeah, yeah, socks are great right now. Uh, mm-hmm. What what stadiums have you not been to? Uh, most of the ones in Florida I have not been to. I haven't been to the Marlins or the Rays, um, but I've. Uh, and I haven't been to the Angels yet, and I live in Los Angeles, but I got to go to that one. But I've been to most of the ones out west: Mariners, Giants, um, A's, uh, 
Diamondbacks, Rockies, um, but and then most of them up up in the Northeast, been to Camden Yards, all you know, all those ones up there. But yeah, it's pretty fun. Normally, if we have a day off, if I'm not like out teaching a lesson or doing a master class or whatever, it's like get the guys and go get like three dollars seats, you know, and hang out in a ball in a ballpark, man. It's great. Uh, I you know I gave a general intro, but what what are all the things that you're up to? <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, <laughs> dress the camera here, right? Um, yeah. I, uh, I'm a professional trombone player. Uh, I'm fortunate to say that I am able to travel the world playing music. Uh, I play with a band called Dumpster Funk from New Orleans. I just hit my five-year anniversary with them, which is just nuts. Feels like yesterday. Um, but I do that primarily, and then um, any kind of studio production I do as well, any kind of recording. Um, that's one thing Los Angeles is really good for, um, studio hangs. But yeah, so anything related to trombone, um, I do that. And then I do 10 bar. I've, I have a love of hospitality and service and um, making people badass cocktails is a great way to kick off a conversation um, or to you know get to know someone. And uh, I, when I lived in Chicago, I still tech, I'm actually working here at Lincoln Station tonight. <laughs> um, I'll never let it go. <laughs> nor, you know, nor should anyone who works here, man. This is the home base. But I worked uh, all around town. I worked in Boys Town, I worked in River North. Uh, and I really developed a strong love of, uh, of tasty drinks. And so now, during the pandemic, I started a company called Very Good Cocktails, where we teach people how to make drinks at home. Um, we do in-person and virtual classes. Uh, and I developed a syrup that we sell through Very Good Cocktails that's like a one-and-done, any spirit, plus the syrup, and it's an old-fashioned instantly. So also really good in non-alcoholic situations as well. But I do that, and then... Um, Hang out with my friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, both, both of those things take up most of my time. <laughs> so you, you've been in Chicago for how long? I lived in Chicago for 10 years. 10 um, years. And so what, what was your experience like? Well, if I went you to... you were to like characterize the city in your experience. Oh, sure. Um, I would call Chicago a really friendly place to do some growing up. Um, it's, uh, it's a small town in its own right you know what I mean like you you can see some you see someone on the street you'll recognize just walking down you know it's it's not uncommon there aren't you know there are millions of people here obviously but like it's not like Tokyo or anything so it's it's a small town with a, a really rich community of hard-working people um, there's nothing like the Midwestern work ethic dude I swear I don't know what it is but everywhere I go like people in Chicago are just working and and uh, living the great life just drive just like in the uber here like patios are full of people like loving life it's like oh yeah it's summertime chicago man it's like how we do here yeah. but yeah i went to depaul and and uh i learned how to be an artist within a small community um but like how do i describe it i don't know it's just it's a safe friendly place where you can you can grow up you know and it's it's relatively affordable which is amazing as well yeah. so what would you say your, your proudest moment is in Chicago? Proudest moment? Oh, man. That's a good question. Proudest moment. I would say maybe my first gig with Dumpster Funk um, or like my first couple gigs. They used to do this thing a lot of bands do where if there's the core group and then they have a horn section in sort of every major city, the touring in so that they don't have to bring three people on the road, you know, like that's three more hotel rooms, you know, per diem, all that stuff. So kind of getting in with them um, after, you know, grinding on my instrument for years uh, and, you know, doing doing it well, I guess, but not like 
you know, touring the world well. Um, I don't know, I just, it, jumping on with them, it was a huge, like, validation in a lot of ways. You know, it's yeah. like, dude, you've been working your ass off, and, like, it's paying off. So that was, I would say that was a super, super proud moment. And you know what else? Getting asked to bartend at Three Dots and a Dash was a really proud moment for me as well. Because okay. back, back then, they sort of cherry-picked the bartenders they liked from the other Lettuce Entertain You restaurants, and they asked me to do it. And I was honored. Um, so that was another really proud moment, but... It's tough. I'm full of proud moments, man. You know, I'm proud of myself. Okay, so I actually I picked I picked up this um, this idea or this I don't know what it is, but I first heard it from Wasili, and I've talked about it with other people. Other musicians are aware about it, but there's this like three three things to do to be successful as a musician. But I think it can be applied to anything in life. Okay. Can you? Can you go over these, like, three things? You, uh, I think I have a sort of maybe a different way of saying it, um, but you, you said it was talent. What is it, perseverance or something? Because like, I... Like talents, mm -hmm. talent, being professional. Sure. And just being a good hang. Yeah. Well, okay, those three are extremely, extremely important. <laughs> um, I have this thing, I've, I've sort of whittled it down, it's called CPR now is what I call it. Okay, okay. It's so called, now it's, now it's Yeah, it's like a thing, right, okay. but it stands for command, perform, and respect. And all of what you just said can fall under those three um, umbrellas. When I'm with a student or whatever, you know, I'll say, okay, which which part of what you just played, like, what was the performance part of that, you know? And, and we'll, we'll break it down and talk about it. But command means being in charge of whatever situation you're in, you know, whether it be behind the horn, whether it be behind the bar, of, of knowing your craft well enough to confidently um, showcase it to people, you know? Like, being able to write, you know? Or, like, being able to take notes from an editor. Like, be, having command of the situation that you're in and understanding um, the art is command. The perform is when you're, that's, that's when you take what you know and you share it with the world. So doing that in the most efficient way possible, the, with the most charisma that you can possibly, you know, every, every part of yourself you're giving. Um, you're not just performing for other people, you're performing for yourself. Um, and the way I see it is if I can take you out of your lame day for 10 minutes, that that's all I want, you know, then I have done my job. So that's the perform part. And then the respect is kind of the biggest umbrella where what are you, if you're not respecting yourself and the art or the people or the people who recorded the music or the people who literally put the microphones together when the Rolling Stones record, you know, like there are so many people you're respecting when you are an artist. Um, and that, uh, like I said, the biggest umbrella, um, it could be respecting your teacher who you, you might not talk to anymore but like you are a product of their education you know so there there's so many levels um that it crosses but yeah and and you know respect uh professionalism falls under that you know being able to show up on time dress properly um i mean i could talk about it all day dude i literally <laughs> i literally give master classes on this um but yeah it's and the master class is really it's less of a trombone thing and it's more of a like where are you at in your artist's career like right now? You know, yeah. Do you know why you're doing what you're doing? You know, the, qu the tough questions. But I'm constantly asking myself these questions and I feel like it can only help. Um, you know, having, having a vision of what you want to do is just, if, you're, if you don't have, as I say, if you don't got shit to say, then what are you doing? Yeah. You know, broad answer to your question. I, I love it. So now, so you've been grinding in Chicago, you get this opportunity, and now it, it brought you to L.A. You live in L.A. Yes. What, what's L.A. like? Man, 
When I first moved there, it was it was difficult for me. Um, I think, you know, I was so used to getting the top calls in Chicago and like, you know, playing with the best people. And then I kind of, for some reason, I thought I was at the bottom of the totem pole upon moving to a new city or that I needed to adopt that kind of mentality, which is just not true um, at all. I, I don't think, yeah. you know, like I, I have a gig, you know, I'm already leagues ahead if we're, if we're measuring in, you know, compared we're comparing, we're trying, we're trying not to ever do that. But right. I, I thought that I needed to do a bunch of the bullshit that I needed to, you know, go off on social media all the time and, you know, be like, oh, L.A. musician, all that. And it's yeah. like, there's a lot of that vapid stuff out there, of course, but there are some really talented musicians and people out there who are working their asses off. Um, it's, it's a little different. Um, I'd say the biggest thing, the biggest difference is that out there, and one of the reasons I'm there is out there, if you're in the studio, you, like, really never know who could walk in at any given moment. You know, like I work at a bar recording studio hotel and like Slash was there the other day with Sting doing a photo shoot, you know, and like I don't expect to play with those artists or perform with those artists, but say they sit down at the bar with me, I make them a drink, we get to talk and we have a good time. You know, they say, yo, you know, come up to my house after this. Like it, you, that stuff I would say happens, it definitely happens in Chicago, no question. But I think the odds of getting picked up or having some sort of major break are a little bit higher out there for sure and I, that's that it is it's weird it's really weird and a lot of it like i said is is bogus and doesn't matter you know but those kinds of connections people to people um he's kind of got to be physically present for some of them you know so so what what are the people like out there what's what's the vibe yeah well <laughs> it's it's really laid back um yeah. you know stuff <laughs> Autumn, my girlfriend, calls it the city that sleeps, which is really funny. Um, but, like, you know, so there's not really a late night scene. Um, it's definitely, you know, stuff kind of closes down at, at midnight, one. Obviously, there are the warehouse parties if you want to go to those till whatever hours. But for the most part, it's, it's, uh, my whole lifestyle has kind of shifted. I used to be nocturnal, dude. Like, you know I that. Know, yeah, I know like, that, yeah. I used to wake up at, like, you know, 3 p.m. or whatever and <laughs> go to bed at, whatever hour but out there man i'm waking up at like eight we keep the windows open year round you know i have a patio i cook a lot uh, mostly because i can't afford to go out because food and drink is so expensive out there but um that's not true we go out and enjoy ourselves but you know i'm i'm cooking i'm eating a little bit healthier i'm drinking a lot less um and it's that's sort of the vibe man it's like i mean you can't drink as much literally because you have to drive everywhere you know that's a major part of it but yeah i don't know i find myself getting up when the sun is up and, uh, you know, enjoying the outdoors a little bit more. So, but the people, I mean, it's 20 million people in LA County, so you, you can, you can get whatever you want, but, um, I will say everyone I've met has been really cool and has made me feel welcome. And, uh, I, the way I look at it is there's room for everyone out there. Okay. So very American in that way, if you know yeah. what I mean. So nice. <laughs> what, what area? In, uh, I live in Highland Park, <laughs> uh, which is a neighborhood here in Chicago, of course, but um, or a town, I guess. Technically, a town out here, right? It's a, town, it's, it's a yeah, village. It's like, it's like right outside. Suburb. Yeah. yeah, but Highland Park is eastern Los Angeles on the border with Pasadena. So it's a okay. super awesome uh, Mexican part of town. The street tacos. If you're ever in LA, call me and I will make sure you're going to the right ones. Nice. Yeah. So you've been 
So COVID kind of put the kibosh on touring. Yeah. So, uh, what was what was it like touring the world before that? Before, dude. I mean, it's it's everything you dream of, right? As a musician, or me. You know, every, every people play music for different reasons, but. For me, a major thing I wanted to do was to travel and perform and meet all sorts of new people and experience new cultures and all of that. So, you know, Dumpster Funk, um, we played pretty international. We internationally in 2019, we went to Australia twice. You know, like we we've done a Europe tour. Uh, we went to South Africa. You know, we we are all over the world. And of course, the lower 48 states playing 100 shows a year on average. But what's it like? It's um, it's really tiring. It's exhausting, um, in like the best way, though. You know what I mean? Like you you could be dead tired, like no sleep, but then, you know, you walk into a room of a thousand screaming people, like so excited, and all that just goes away. And honestly, we joke about it, but the more tired the band is, like the better the band sounds. I don't know. Really? There's something about it. We just like really, really go for it sometimes when we and just like leave it all out there, but. Um, it's exciting. There are ups and downs uh, that you can never predict. Um, one of my favorite things is being able to see my friends all over the country. You know, you yeah. got like, you know, people who I grew up with here in Chicago that have moved away to like Denver. You know, I get to yeah. see them like three times a year. I get to see my family more often than I normally would, um, which is That's which is people don't think about right. Like, yeah, like anytime we play in the southeast, like I'm, you know, I, I'm from Savannah, Georgia. Um, if we're playing Charleston, it's like a two-hour drive from my family, and they'll make it like a trip. You know, they'll like yeah. come and stay and see the show. And if we have a day off or something, I'll go hang, you know, at home or whatever. And generally, if I'm on the eastern side of the country, I'll use some Southwest points to go home as well and see my family. So, so. What are like the logistics of touring? Yeah, I mean, well, there's lots. For you, for, do you mean like flights? For and you, like what? Is, what is your process like when you're going on say a european tour like what is oh okay um well for me as the artist uh, i've got it really lucky and really generally pretty easy besides obviously having to kick ass on trombone or whatever you know but like besides being awesome besides, yeah, <laughs> besides the actual art part um the logistics yeah man um i'll get a a text or email you know from uh, from the higher ups, management or ag or agency, or most of the time it's Ian, the guitarist in the band. He kind of does the flights and a lot of the logistics. But for a big one like Europe or something, um, the the higher ups will send an email like, "Here are your flights," you know, and you're gonna some this person in this car will pick you up, um, take you to the hotel. You'll be checked in. Like I, it's it kind of it, it kind of is like the movies like that a little bit where like. Every, like people are just there to kind of take care of you um, in Europe, <laughs> not not so much the United States. There are places though where the hospitality is incredible, but um, yeah, like in the states though, I'll get a text from Ian, um, like "Yo, got more dates," or we should have a shared calendar, so we'll see like okay. some things that are on hold, and then once they get confirmed, um, we generally know like a year in advance where we'll be, which is really awesome. Um, it's killer, so nice. like it's killer, yeah, and uh, you know, obviously some dates get added later in the in the game or whatever but for the most part um i can really plan it's weird because i can plan and i can't plan you know if yeah. if autumn's watching this she'll be laughing but uh i yeah especially right now post-covid excuse me post-covid we're kind of scrambling to 
pick up where we left off and there are a lot of states that we can't really play 100% yet in so we're hop skipping around um, but yeah normally I know where we'll be yeah. a long time in advance what's it what's it looking like uh, post COVID we're, we're busy yeah, yeah the uh, probably every weekend for the rest of the year um, we'll be out which is awesome not, not, we're not doing that many long like six weeks out those are grueling not sleeping in your own bed for that long even even two weeks push two weeks is pushing it um for sanity levels you know um living out of a suitcase you know entertaining every day or whatever but um yeah we our model is generally thursday through sunday somewhere in the country so tomorrow's virginia beach then i'm back here and then next week is aspen monday new orleans tuesday and then Memphis, Nashville, and two other smaller cities throughout the rest of the week. And then it's back to LA for a week, and then Salt Lake City or something like that. So, so, so this is an opportunity to see all these different cities. Mm-hmm. At least I, I know you're working and, and you know, you're exhausted. Oh yeah, but you get to go to new places for sure. So what are some of your favorite cities? Dude, some of my favorite cities. Um, I love Seattle. I had such a good time in Seattle. Um, obviously I've, it's kind of cheating to say New Orleans, but I'm there like every two weeks. And if you've never been in New Orleans, you gotta go. It's like Europe. It's like no rules and music 24 hours a day, almost damn near 24 hours a day. I and once, uh, this was like in fall 2019, uh, Vasily and I were, were bartending a, a Buffalo Bills game. Station. <laughs> yeah, we were. And I was asking you about New Orleans and you said you were there 24 weekends. I was there. The, the actual math was one day out of every 13 days in 2019, I was in New Orleans. <laughs> so, but I wasn't, it wasn't like yeah. I was there like one day and then gone for 13. I would be there for like two weeks or something yeah. for Jazz Fest or, or, you know, we start a lot of tours there because we have a souped up sprinter that we ride in. Yeah. So I'll fly into town, we'll rehearse or, or record or something and then leave from New Orleans on a, a you know, run on the highways. So, but yeah, I'm, I'll be in New Orleans next week. It's I, I always say I can drive around New Orleans without GPS. I know it that well now, but it's a world-class city for food, arts and entertainment, and just rich musical culture. I, but, I want to get back to New Orleans. Yeah, sure. Uh, but like what are, other said, cities? Orleans, yeah, Seattle. Seattle um, let me think. We've, we always, dude, low-key, we always have a great time in Baltimore. Baltimore. Uh, Baltimore, man. Baltimore. Right? Isn't that weird? Yeah. Uh, Baltimore, we, there's some really, really killer crab cakes places. We, we go to this place called Mother's that's like, whenever we go, we have like food spa, you know, food spots yeah. that, that we love as a band. Um, and a lot of times the owners or, you know, the servers or whatever love us, so they'll just take care of us, which is the yeah. best, dude. It's like total perks, <laughs> you know? All you got to do is wear a Mother's t-shirt on stage or whatever. But yeah. um, uh, Burlington, Vermont is awesome. Burlington, Vermont. Uh, Burlington, Vermont. Is Vermont like sneaky? Oh, Vermont's great. amazing, dude. Yeah. yeah, they got it figured out over there. Um, where else do we do we like to play? Charleston, South Carolina is always a really good time. Um, I'm trying to think other cities we do really well in. Generally in the South. Um, whenever we play Austin, Antones is always off the chain. Um, and there's, what's it called? Just north of San Francisco, Mill Valley. Whenever we play up there, it's like, billionaire tech money yeah it's like all these old rock stars live there and they always come through and it's like bonnie Raitt was at our last show you know up there it's just like hanging out so (laughs) it's crazy um but yeah i uh colorado too is beautiful i don't really love the elevation part of colorado playing trombone at nine thousand feet is really difficult to be completely honest but um 
the people there are so obsessed with live music, you can't not love it. So, um, uh, where else is, you know what? Salt Lake City's kind of fun too. Salt Lake City? You think like, you know, Mormon, you know, like no one's drinking and partying, but like every show we play there is lit. (laughs) People are like partying. So yeah, man, we get to go all over. What about, what about outside the States? Outside the States? I mean, man, when we, uh, I played in Brazil with members of the band. Um, it was a different project, but dude. People ask, like, if you could live anywhere, where would it be? And my instant response is always, Sao Paulo, Brazil, dude. Sao really? Paulo, Brazil is off the chain. You Why aren't... is that? What is it like? Well, like, imagine a culture so deeply rooted in enjoying your life and having a good time. It's, it does a wreck for the economy, obviously, but, like, it, they love music, man. There's music everywhere. Um, they love food. They're out until... Until... You know, like we were there and it was like five in the morning. We've been like hanging all night. And this guy's like, are you ready to go out? I'm like, dog, we've been out for like 12 hours. And they're like, no, it's time for a crazy party, you know? It's like, what? And I don't even mean like, you know, drinking or you know, any of that stuff. I just mean like, like every night there's music somewhere and every club is packed and people are just like being social. It's a very extroverted place. I'm, an ex- I'm a serious extrovert. So I don't know. I just really gelled with it well and it's just it's massive like you feel lost there in a really cool way so if you ever get the chance to go go and then uh australia is really cool too they what's australia like man they love americans and they love american musicians um when i always say this when and i mean no disrespect to other other um cultures when it comes to music and whatnot but there are some things americans do really well and one of those things is music live music um, in Europe, they kind of treat us like aliens. They're like, "How do you? How are you able to do what you're doing?" And we're all like, I, "This, I don't know, man. We just like this is our stuff, you know." And and you know, I would say there's like a good ten to twelve year. Um, I'm not speaking for all of Europe, of course, but like they're a good ten to twelve years behind in terms of uh, sort of innovating new sounds and music and whatnot. There are some cats in London, obviously, who are. There are people who are next level in, in the jazz scene, of course, but you know, for pop and stuff, it's it's really coming from the states. So when you leave, you know, all those people in Europe, Australia, Asia, popular music in America is popular music around the world, you know. Um, so they will wait around for the Americans to come tour, you know. And there's like two shows in their whole country. Imagine if like your favorite artist is from France and they always hang out in France and then they're like, hey, we're, we're coming to America. We're playing New York and L.A. It's like, yeah, yeah what? You know, you, if they were your favorite band and you had the funds, you would go. So these people travel for miles to these huge festivals and like love it. They like live for it. It'd be like, one, it's, you know, the 1 p.m. stage or whatever at a fest is generally not that packed. Oh, dude, over there. Really? Packed. Yeah. So... Australia's cool though, man. They were super friendly and like, you know, everyone's beautiful. <laughs> and like, you know, the 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 trees look crazy and the animals look crazy. Everything just looks totally different. So, but it's a it's a really cool place. Yeah, Australia is uh, more and more on my radar. Some of my favorite bands are from Australia. Oh yeah, who are some of your favorite bands? Uh, I like Tame Impala. Yeah, of course. Uh, Miami Horror. I don't know that band. Yeah. I'll have to check it out. I'm thinking. I'm thinking about planning a trip in. April to go see them in Berlin. Dude, you should do that. That would I, be sick. I feel sick. like now I'm like, I try to set moments for myself and then work towards it like a sprint. That's awesome. And that would be a, a, a cool 
that's definitely something to that would be something awesome to look forward to. That's All right. for sure. Yeah. Man. It, it, I feel like having something that far out, it uh, it just motivates you to totally be prepared and do what you can. Exactly. You there are there, there are times I wish I still had that feeling. <laughs> um, obviously, the, for the really big shows, like we're yeah. opening for Dave Matthews at the Gorge in in September, and that's going to be insane. That's like yeah. forty thousand people, and like it's going to be sold out. It's like the yeah. first tour they're back. So, like, those really big ones you really look forward to. Um, but then, you know, tomorrow in Virginia Beach very well may catch me off guard, and it might be really, really fun. So, you never know. Yeah, being but in the moment. Yes. Just, uh, appreciate it. Definitely. Being present is, yeah, super important as an artist. So, uh, something I'm fascinated by is airports. <laughs> I just love airports. <laughs> me too. I feel like everything is intentional. It's designed intentional and whether this looks a certain way or that, and what they're selling, and you know, their showcase, their souvenir shops, everything is like kind of a stereotype or a representation of that city or that area. Certainly. You have been to a lot of airports. I've been to like all of them. <laughs> what, what are some of the airports that stand out to you? Some airports, I can say immediately, I said it earlier, but Baltimore's airport rules, dude. They have, really? they have like the craziest food selection. They have a legal seafood there. It's called like legal. L-E-G-A-L. If you are at that airport, go get food there. It's very, very good. Um, and then uh, Miami's airport is huge but awesome. Um, and if you travel a lot, there are a lot of little things you can do. Or even if you travel a little, there are a lot of things you can do to make your life easier. Um, if you get, like, the right credit card or whatever, they let you into the lounges, you know? And, like, airline lounges are... If you travel as much as I'm traveling, it's a lifesaver. Free food, free drinks... Um, a comfortable place to chill. The Miami airport, though, has a lounge where you can get free massages, like when yeah. you're when you're in a layover. So it's like life changing. So Miami's great. Um, honestly, I just landed at Midway the other day, and they finally finished building it, and it looks awesome. Have you been there recently? No, I've been there since 2013. Dude, it's like a nice, like world class looking airport now. So Midway. and yeah, they have like Billy Goat in there. Um, yeah, they have like some Chicago stuff. Nice. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, Baltimore's great. Miami's great. Um, Burbank is like the secret hack to Los Angeles. It's like an airstrip with like four or five gates, and there's the security line is like never more than eight minutes, even when it's busy. Ooh, excuse me. Um, and if you look, if you look carefully. Um, sometimes you'll get like a better deal to Burbank than to LAX. So, and it's it's, it's Los Angeles. You're, yeah. You know. So those those are a few. Um, Oakland is also pretty cool. If you fly into San Francisco, fly to Oakland. It's closer to San Francisco and probably cheaper. Um, that's a hack the band does. Um, Jacksonville is really nice. Uh, Fort Lauderdale has a killer airport. Really? Yeah, man. What's Jacksonville Airport like? Um, Jacksonville is. Fun fact, the largest city in the United States, not population-wise, but like actual, like geographical, geographical yeah. It's like, you'll, it says like, now entering Jacksonville, and it's like, dude, we're in the marsh still. It's, it's, <laughs> like, it's like 50 miles of like marsh um, that you drive through, and then this huge metropolitan area um, that I've never really hung out in, but uh, living in Savannah, you can either drive to Charleston or to Jacksonville for a big, a larger airport for a better, if you're like flying internationally um but 
yeah, Jacksonville Airport, it's it's very Floridian. They have, like, beach theme, you yeah. know, and, like, it's, like, seashells in the ground and all that stuff. Yeah, it's very exciting. <laughs> <laughs> the things we look forward to, right? Okay, what about what about the international ones? What oh. What are those airports like? You ever been to Frankfurt in Germany? No. Whoo! You want to talk about a marvel of German engineering. They, like... They can turn a plane around in like 20 minutes. You know, there it's it's the Lufthansa airport, and it's epic. Um, Zurich is also unbelievable. Um, in Switzerland, the only problem is that the Swiss franc is like double or like triple the dollar. You know, or like triple its value over the dollar. So like, like a sandwich is like 35 dollars over there. Yeah, it sucks. It sucks. Um, but it's a beautiful space. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Honestly, the Johannesburg Airport looked like the Guggenheim Museum in South Africa. Really? That was pretty, pretty epic, from what I recall. But those are a few. Yeah, they care, man. Those other, you know, other countries like they just finished LaGuardia, and apparently it's really, really nice. They just completely redid LaGuardia in New York. And uh, the last, the last time I flew out of LaGuardia, I was in one of the new terminals. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? Yeah. This place is not the same LaGuardia. Yeah, no. Dude, it was a wreck. Dude, and then, like, my favorite part about LaGuardia Airport is you land and then you just get kicked in the teeth by New York City with a $90 cab ride to the sea. You know what I mean? It's like, there's no train to get out there or whatever. Yeah. There's, like, a, a shuttle bus that will drive you to a train or something. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, enjoy that $90 cab ride to the city. Welcome to New York. That's, that you know? is not fun. And you're just, like, in the back just, like, watching bears go up. Oh, yeah. Like, and, like, sitting in crawling traffic or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> airports dude anyway airports yeah man it's, are there I, some places you would like to go still definitely oh man there's so many places so I want to go you're not done with uh, dude I'm not probably. I'm not done with anything no yeah. I'll go anywhere man uh, honestly like I, I love traveling you know I love airplanes I'm, I'm like a nerd about actual physical airplanes as well yeah. and aviation and just like the miracle of flight, the fact that I can pay someone money to get into a pressurized tube that hurls itself with the, the power of the explosions of gasoline for thousands and thousands of miles will never cease to blow my mind. It's incredible, isn't it? I mean, come on, it man. It should be appreciated more. Yes. So, and, you know, peop- I understand people hate it because, like, you really see humanity at its worst a lot of the times. But if you're, if you're used to traveling, you have, like, a, you know, I have the world's best noise-canceling headphones have my hoodie up, sunglasses on, like I'm not talking to anyone, I got my own little vibe going on, but there, there are people who are really bad at it. Um, but, and that can annoy other people, but if you can just tune that out, it's, I don't know, I think it's, like mag- it's magical. Especially the people that, the plane lands, mm-hmm. and they get up right away. What are, what are you doing? I you don't know, understand that. I understand there's a, a major fear of people's blood clotting on planes, that's like a thing that happens. Oh, it does happen, but those are on like, 18 hour flights that's like from singapore to london that's not from like chicago to new york you know so i understand if you have you know high blood pressure or whatever or you're prone to blood clotting something about the pressure in the air people want to stand up so i'm not going to hate on them for that if but i sincerely doubt that like i would say there's no way 99 percent of those people have blood clot issues um so yeah i don't pass judgment i generally wait until every i'll I'll wait till rows behind me are empty and then I'll just get up and walk. You know, it's like what it takes a while to deboard a plane, especially in the States. They don't open the back door of the plane, except for in Burbank. In California and Burbank, they will open the back door of the plane and they board from the front and the back. It's the best. Really? Yeah. Wow. Uh, 
so, so the places you want to go. Yeah. Um, I want to go to Tokyo really bad. I've never been to Tokyo. Yeah, Tokyo's I, on my list too. I want to go to, uh, um, I'd love to go to Beijing. I want to go to Shanghai. I want to go to... Uh, What's the music scene like over in China? I honestly don't know. Um, I know it's pretty strict. Uh, in terms of what you can do while you're there. And a lot of times there's like a minder, you know, like a government minder to make sure you're like only seeing the right thing and there's you can't get on the internet really over there. Um, but I know it's vibrant in Japan. Um, yeah. Music scene is amazing over there, if you can get over there. What about, what about um, people to play with that you'd be excited about or open for? I know, I know Dumpster Funk opened for New Orleans or... Uh, in New Orleans for the Rolling Stones yeah. and the Superdome. During COVID, uh, I had this angst of like live music, so I'd watch some of my friends. <laughs> so I saw Wasili on YouTube playing. Yeah, dude. Superdome. Yeah, man. Oh, that was pretty cool. That was, a, I mean, I'll never forget that ever. You know, that's like a, <laughs> that's a, that was a momentous occasion, and we slayed the gig, and it was really fun. You know, 60,000 people, you know, all, in New Orleans where the band is from New Orleans, like hometown heroes. Um, and Dr. John had just passed. So we, we played right place, wrong time. And like, you know, with the soul rebels brass band brought the house down, dude, it was, I'm like, you know, getting goosebumps thinking about it. It was, it was the best, but, um, there are tons of artists I would love to play with. When people ask like, you ever played with this person? I always say not yet. Cause yeah. you never know what, you never know. what will happen, but I would love to play with Justin Timberlake. I think his band is bad ass. Um, the Regiment Horns have that gig locked up, and they're some of the baddest dudes ever. Um, they're, those guys just kick ass. Um, I'm trying to think other artists I would love to play with. Um, I still haven't. I can't say anything about the gig because it's not. I, I can't say where or when it is, but um, Fred Wesley, the trombone player for James Brown or and the JBs, or just Fred Wesley, arguably the most influential uh, funk trombone player has ever lived. Still alive, still plays. I, have, I haven't met him. We've been slated to open for him twice, and I think he like bailed both times, either because of illness or he just was tired or something. But every time I've been so excited to play next to Fred, and I think I get to do it in November. So I'm really excited for that. But um, I don't know, man. You know, I, I want to play with, with cool people. I don't care the fame level. You know, if you're a a dope person uh, making really great music and truly having a great time I'll, I want to play with you so yeah that's awesome yeah man what's I know I know that Dumpster Funk has such a, a deep relationship with the city of New Orleans mm -hmm. how meaningful is it to you to be a part of that and kind of feel like a part of the city in that way I was, I was just talking about this the other day um, uh, with a friend and mentor that so Dumpster Funk is uh, the Neville family, uh, is, the, the Neville brothers out of New Orleans are arguably one of the most influential American musician or group of musicians, um, really representing the city of New Orleans to the world um, to this day. But Ivan Neville and Ian Neville, Tony Hall and Nick Daniels, all who played with the, the, OG, the OG Neville brothers or the Meters. Um, I call them the godfathers of funk, the meters. And so this is the like, great. yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, it's the meters, you know? <laughs> um, but they, the, the gentlemen I perform with regularly, um, they have such a deep, it's like part of their being, man. Like they, they can't, 
they there's no reason for them to separate New Orleans from the music they play. Um, it's very embedded in their culture. And to, for me, an outsider, to be welcomed in, um, obviously, you got to learn the music. And you have to, you know, we talk about CPR, you have to respect the culture. Um, New Orleans is the oldest city in America, I think. It's like 300-something years old. It's like older than America. And it's... It's like the birth, you know, they say the birthplace of jazz, but it's the birthplace of so many other different styles of music. And to be part of it is something I never take for granted. Um, the fact that local musicians in New Orleans, um, you know, know me and rec and recognize me not as like some punk who just comes in and is trying to appropriate their culture. Um, it's it means a lot, and it's it's a heavy heavy weight that I carry with extreme pride. Um, in New Orleans, man, if you're messing up on stage, they will tell you. They will like. They will absolutely be like, "Bro, what? No, what are you doing?" Like, there's no, there's just to put it frankly, there's no bullshit, um, which I really, really love. If I'm messing up, tell me, man, and like, I'll you know spend the time learning it the right way. Um, and you know, they, you know, like any city dealing with a, a boom in tourism or, or interest or you know gentrification and all that there are people that go down there and think they can just play the style of music on the street you know and and tourists don't know the difference until you go to these legendary venues and, and you that have been there for like 100 or 200 years or whatever um that are open 24 hours a day until you see the ogs doing it like it's it's really hard to put into words um but people love the style of music and they seek it out all around the world honestly um not just not just in new orleans but yeah so it's a it's not it's, it doesn't sound i hope it doesn't how am i saying this talking light speed i hope it doesn't sound like it's a burden at all it's like a, a medal of pride it's an honor that yeah you live up to yes indeed so and i and i'm constantly learning and constantly trying to get better um but it's a part it's a major part of my life is new orleans yeah. music so uh, something, something that Alex is a part of and has started is, is this thing, this party called Funk Party. Oh yeah, the, and, funk, party, uh, the funk Party series. Yeah, I've I've heard people say this literally. Funk Party is probably the coolest thing I do in a year. Oh man, really? I've heard people say that. Damn. That Funk Party is the coolest thing they do. Every oh year. man, that means a lot. That's pretty cool. And you've done. 16, 17? 18. 18. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. They are a lot of fun. Can yeah. you explain sure. the history of the Funk Party? Sure, man. Um, yeah, so it's just called the Funk Party series, I guess you could call it, but I just put a number after it. Um, but they started in my apartment in Wrigleyville above the Dark Horse Tap at Newport and Clark and Sheffield. And it was with my band, Hip Trip, um, six guys, and we... You know, we were tired of kind of striking out at venues or just like getting, you know, no pay or whatever. And we were just like, you know what, let's do like the house show vibe. So at first it was like the most epic music school party of all time. You know, like 160 people crammed into my apartment. Everyone pays five bucks, whatever. And the band gets, you know, we got paid like 200 bucks. Man, have a great time. And it's yeah. like, hey, we made money playing original music. And like, we didn't really know what was happening. But I would throw them every couple months uh, and we'd pay our rent with it that was my agreement with the my my roommates is they get a cut you know so and they're you know it was it was awesome and it was above a bar and everyone who lived around the apartment were all bartenders so they were all working you know they were never it was never a problem um 
and thankfully nothing bad ever happened <laughs> at any of those parties. But um, yeah, we did, you know, one through five or six there. Um, and then we, they got so popular that I started looking at other sort of warehousey DIY spaces you could rent out. And uh, they, you know, I moved from that place to a little place called HQ. Um, and once that was maxed out with people, you know, it was like we went from 100 people to 200 to, you know, 300. And then they said, hey, this is too many people. We can't do it anymore. So then I, we moved to a place called Canvas. And they're awesome. Uh, they're a really great space. And once that got too full, now we've landed at a place called Rut Corp on the south side. But it's um, now it's my band. Alex Wasili is very good band. Uh, my my brand my brand is very is very good. Like it's literally a very good LLC, and there's doing business as very good cocktails, very good band, very good DJ sets. Um, I did it as a joke. Someone told me I wouldn't name my band Alex Wasili is very good band, and, and I was like, dude, I will, and I have, and it somehow has worked for me. I, I think, like it. I I, like yeah, it. I think it's because I'm a I'm a generally I'm a, you know I'm a nice person, and <laughs> people kind of you know they like hanging out with me or whatever. If I were if I were a jerk, I, I don't think the name would have stuck very well. Right. But, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, um, now I put together, a, like a all-star monster band and then I have an opener group, always a Chicago band comes and opens and it's, you know, it's never not sold out and we get 400 heads in a room, um, and, uh, you know, throw a party until sunrise and it's, there's art everywhere. They decorate it, the place incredibly um, and a lot of local breweries donate beer, which is really cool. Mars Brewing donated to the last one. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, there's like pro lights and sound. It's like not a, not an amateur it's, party. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, like it's the secret to the funk party is, um, you're in a strange space you've never been in, you know, you're, you're probably having a couple beers, whatever. Um, but you're there's the feeling of in, of being included in something, being part of something. And yes, yeah, it's, it's a party, but like, it's a very Chicago party. Um, and you kind of, you got to know, like you kind of got to know someone to get in or to, yeah. to know about it. I'm not like, I don't, it's never once been written about in any major publication ever. No newspaper, none of that. So um, it's all just word of mouth and social media here and there. But yeah, it's a major part of my existence and my life. Um, just the other night, I was at RPM Italian with Sammy, and this, this like table of women were like, "Hey, you're that funk party guy," you know? <laughs> like, I was I was literally in Australia, and and Logan Metz, the uh, organist for uh, Lucas Nelson, um, we were sharing a stage, and I didn't know Logan at the time, but he was like, "Dude, you're that funk party guy," and our our sound guy in, in Australia was like, "God." can't take Musili anywhere I swear <laughs> to God like everyone knows this guy just can't escape and it's so funny because like as a trombone player I'll never actually be famous I'll play with like famous people and then when the gig is done the 10 people who play trombone in high school will tell me I did a great job and then I can go I can go lead a totally regular life and have a great time but you know it's fun to be like semi Chicago famous because of the funk parties but um, the next one I think will probably be in the winter we literally yeah. can't do them in the summer because the space doesn't have AC so um you know that's the thing but yeah it's 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 fun we the band i put together is always killer and it's a good time so if you're free come through it and they get tickets because it always sells out do it so yeah uh the last question i have for you alex is of all the words that i can think of in the english vocabulary 
generous oh, is, man. is the one that <laughs> that I think of most when I think of Wasili. He's he's such a generous person. Like Thanks, dude. What does generosity mean to you? Well, as an artist, or like, okay, well, I'll start with as an artist. As if you're, if you are an artist, it doesn't matter what you're doing, you know, that covers so many bounds, um, writing, music, uh, theater, dance, art, whatever, you are sharing a major part, if you're doing it right, in my opinion, yeah. you're sharing a major part of yourself with people. You're giving them a part of you. And yeah, people pay money, whatever, but like, money aside, I, when you see me perform, I like to think I'm a consummate performer. I am 100% in the game and I'm giving myself to you to like, you know, like I said, pull you out of a bad day if you had a bad day or, or make a smile or make you dance or like, you know, give you the confidence to go talk to a chick across the room. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. but we're... Make you feel something. Exactly. Make you feel something. Yeah. It, it, I couldn't have said it better myself. That's so perfect. But that, I think, um, translates to like that love I have of, of hospitality to cocktails, whatever of cocktails art, you know, being a musician, it, it, in order to be a successful one, you have to love sharing it with people and giving it to people. And, and, um, my love of joy, uh, I think I called it unyielding optimism is what I call it. But nice, like, nice. but like, you know, I, I want for people to have as much fun as I'm having, um, and I want to give them that in any way I know how. So whether it be through music, whether it be through cocktails, um, that is what I think of when I think of generosity, you know? And I don't mean to sound like haughty, you know, or like... Or, I don't even know what that word is. Yeah, well, like, you know, like... See, my vocabulary is quite, quite, uh, oh, says quite the, limited. Says the writer. <laughs> Get out of here. But like, you know, it's... I don't, I, I'm without sound, trying to sound conceited or anything. It's like, it's a genuine love of... of taking any person who had a bad day and making it awesome um, and or making someone laugh or making someone smile. It's like, it's, it's truly that simple. And that I'm willing to put my, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to be tired a lot of the time and that's okay. I'm, you know, I'm kind of tired right now, but I'll live. And that's kind of how I look at it is there's just no time in this life to not want to like be having a great time all the time which sounds so it, all, all the time. time. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, you know, obviously it makes, it makes me sound like a sociopath, like as if I don't have bad days, everyone has bad days and I get sad, right. you know, but it's, it's about, you know, sharing all the good that comes to you because we do really have it really good. Um, yeah. and I don't know, trying to share it with the world, I suppose. I, I have heard you say when we were bartending once, uh, Treat everyone as your best friend until they're not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've said that. <laughs> that definitely sounds like me. But yeah, everyone, yeah, I, I think the actual quote was, everyone is my best friend until they suddenly are not. <laughs> and I think I was really referring to any guests sitting at the bar at Three Dots, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you walk up, I'm going to treat you great until you treat me like, you know, like crap. And then yeah. I'm going to be like, come on, man. But yeah, that that is something that I say and act and try to, try to believe, you know, is that um, everyone deserves kindness, everyone deserves love, um, you know, why not start off on the right foot every time, yeah. so. There is uh, something else I was thinking about, 
Alex and I bartended Game Seven. Oh World yeah, we cost. did, dude. <laughs> ah! So it's just Yo. behind the bar. I'm trying to piece together that night. What do you remember from that? Dude, I remember, so my mom was in town. She was sitting at the corner of the bar. All my best friends were in the corner of the bar. It was, oh my God, dude. I just remember we ran out of Bud Light and Miller Light. We ran out of beer, dude. Like, and we had cases. And, and I, we didn't even really get to watch the game no, at all. The only time I looked up was... Like the last like the, play? Or the, no, rain, delay. the rain delay. Yeah, there was the rain delay. Um, yeah, and the rain delay meant people were ordering drinks. Yeah. So we, we were, dude, that was, though I can say two nights behind the bar, game seven world series, one of the, that was like one of the most joyous shifts ever. Yeah. Also, I was behind the bar working in Boys Town the night gay marriage became legal in Illinois. Okay. That was also insane. <laughs> that was, the, both of those nights, man, game seven, God, I swear, like, everyone was, it was like up and down, that, like the actual yeah. game was amazing, but I remember I went home that night and watched the whole game. Like I, I had it recorded and like sat yeah. and watched the whole game because I wanted to like, you know, relive it or whatever. Wow. You know what I mean? I didn't get to watch the game. You just hear I people screaming. I'm literally looking at the ceiling over there. Do you see that? Like, yeah, that's, all the stuff. <laughs> it's because, what is it? Sammy jumped behind the bar and started spraying yeah. people with Sprite with the, with the soda gun. He meant to, to press soda. He meant to <laughs> press soda. <laughs> he meant to press like water and press Sprite and was like spraying everyone with Sprite. People were just throwing beers. It was absolutely yeah, if mental. You, if you ever come into Lincoln Station here. Look at the like, ceiling. Yeah, <laughs> There's all these. We'll never clean it. Months. Never, dude. No, I mean, oh. it, yeah, that was a magical, magical night. And uh, it, it, that was a, a proud Chicago moment for sure. Like, I mean, God, Cubs pulled it off, man. That was, they're not, they're, they're not looking too out right now. I don't know when this will be edited and put out, but they just lost nine home or like nine games in a row or something like that. So not good. But anyway, but yeah, that was a, that was a, a you know, shared that moment with yeah. you, man. That was, that was, that was dope. Special. Yeah. That's good. Mm -hmm. Well, on that note, thanks for, thanks Dude, for stopping by. Come on, man. Of course. Always anytime. Time. Yeah. Thank you for, uh, you know, for, for having me. And I'll, I've also done talk to you any day, Rich. So thank you. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Rich Conversations. Again, you can follow Alex at Alex Wasili. Spread generosity today.